you're listening to Poldark Fancast, a podcast that's sometimes about Poldark, created by the following fangirls. I'm Michelle, I live in the States, and I tweet at Musings. And my name is Rita, I live in England, I tumble at Princess of Poldark, and I tweet at Rita Bite. <laughs> and welcome back to another quarantine minisode. We're here every week during the lockdown with a new mini-sized podcast to listen to. I mean, some of them are normal-sized podcasts. <laughs> and this week we watched the first three episodes of the 2018 TV adaptation of Picnic at Hanging Rock. Uh, this is the first of a two-part special. Next week we'll be watching the other three, so no spoilers for the second half. Well, I'll try, <laughs> at least. <laughs> uh, before we get started... Let's do a little Wikipedia corner. Let's see. Uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock is an Australian television series that premiered on Showcase on the 6th of May, 2018. The series was adapted from Joan Lindsay's 1967 novel of the same name about a group of girls who, while on an outing to Hanging Rock, mysteriously disappear. Now, the novel is an Australian classic. Joan, the book's author, claimed to have written the novel based on an idea she had in a dream. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. Uh, isn't that the, what the Twilight author claimed? But let's not let's, find true. Please, God, no. No. Uh, she subsequently finished it over the course of two to three weeks. <gasps> so, wow. Damn. Uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock is written in the form of a true story and even begins and ends with a pseudo-historical prologue and epilogue. Reinforcing the mystery that ha- that has generated significant critical and public interest since its publication in 1967. However, while the geological feature, Hanging Rock, and the several towns mentioned are actual places near Mount Macedon, the story itself is entirely fictitious, so don't be stupid. <laughs> so this was Blair Witch before Blair Witch? Yes. Yes. Uh, Much of the critical and scholarly interest in the novel has centered on its mysterious conclusion, no spoilers, as well as its depiction of Australia's natural environment in contrast with the Victorian population of the British colony established in 1851. Literary scholar Kathleen Steele argued that the novel's treatment of landscape and its missing characters is reflective of Australia's natural history and the relationship between the rock and the Aboriginal population. The silence surrounding Aborigines and the manner in which Europeans foregrounded geographical, historical, and cultural difference and discontinuity, yet denied Aborigines either presence or history, created a Gothic consciousness of Quote, something deeply unknowable and terrifying in the Australian landscape, end quote. Lindsay provokes a reflection on the understanding of Australia as an unpeopled land where nothing of consequence occurred until the British gave it history. And I'm starting to develop an eye tick right about now. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically, the novel's incredible popularity in australia has made hanging rock into a tourist attraction and the visitor center caters significantly to the myth of the missing schoolgirls. <laughs> again not a real story no uh, it has dire 
uh, dioramas, videos, panels, and soundtracks from both the novel and the film. While the real history of the monolith and its significance to the indigenous culture is less acknowledged. So, in many different ways, this is fucking with the aboriginal culture. Yeah, Um, the twitch is getting worse now. Uh, The other famous adaptation of this novel is a feature film directed by Peter Weir in 1975. It was a commercial and critical success and helped to draw international attention to the then emerging Australian new wave uh, cinema. I think this may be responsible for uh, our later terrible movie and subsequent sequels, Crocodile Dundee. Um. <laughs> no, no, no. No, the, the new wave of cinema that they're referring to um, were films that were done by the likes of Peter Waring and some um, of the other um, incredible Australian directors of that time. Um, you know, the film Gallipoli, which is still remains one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, was part of this new wave of cinema, and it was the first time I actually uh, had seen the then heartthrob, now eye-twitchable Mel Gibson. Uh, (laughs) um, But, um, yeah. You can't see me, but I'm doing a little miniature crucifix. Stay away. (laughs) Yeah, giving him the evil eye. Apropos, because he, he loves that shit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there are some fantastic films that came out of Australia, you know, in, uh, between uh, 75 and I want to say probably the mid 80s uh, and into the uh, latter 80s as well. Um, so check them out. Um, so what was your fil- uh, familiar? I can't say that word. <laughs> Familiarity <laughs> with uh, the picnic before watching the series. Like, have you read the book or seen the movie? Um, I've not read the book, and despite what I just blathered on about uh, regarding Australian new wave of film, um, I've not seen the movie. Um, it came out. I was I was still pretty young when it came out. <laughs> believe it or not um and um i n- never did go back to watch it um i am intrigued however to check it out after we finish this uh series yeah i think i might do the same because it's one of those movies that is like peripheral always there you mm-hmm. know it exists mm-hmm. and it's like a big deal um it, i've definitely seen its influence in some of my favorite movies um it's particularly uh, evident in... Uh, have you seen The Virgin Suicides? No, I have the, not. Uh, I have S- not. Sophia Coppola. It's like mm. one of her first movies. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a similar theme in that it's about a group of young girls. They're all in a family and, that, and they all end up committing suicide. That's uh, the title oh. of my giveaway. Um, Doesn't that have... Uh, oh, God, what's her name? Kirsten Dunst? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um She's really good in this, but mm-hmm. it's um it's set in the seventies and it has a kind of like floaty, girly, like dreamy quality that I mm. think is um evident from a. I imagine that's what picnic hanging rock is. Mm-hmm. It's like very romanticized mm-hmm. version of femininity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be interested in seeing the original because um 
it's obviously something I do enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) I was really not alive when that movie came out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is that that crying? Um, Yeah, that's crying. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So, what did you think of the first three episodes? I was... Okay, for the record, I have read the book. So... Ah. It was actually part of one of um, my modules at university. So, like, um, I went into it knowing where the story was going. And Uh I was, A, very surprised at how different it was. But, B, also kind of annoyed at half of the characters that I (laughs) liked in the book. And now I was like, oh. Um, Miranda in particular, like annoys the shit out of me um (laughs) in the book i found her to be quite sensible and all of the schoolgirls were quite silly and um but this is the complete obvious she's wandering around barefoot in forest by herself in the night and like Mm -hmm. i don't approve and then um yeah I just, she wound me up the wall. But I really liked um, the fact that they're expanding some of the backstories. In the book, um, everybody is a bit more of a caricature because it is from this sort of perspective of a true story that, that, like, you're just getting, like, pieces of their personality. Um, And I think Miranda was a bit more of an enigma. Um, This sort of, this I don't know, like, I can't, the way that they're telling the story with these like snippets of flashbacks in the uh, later episodes, I think, works for me better than in the first episode where you're with like Miranda for most of it because I can't stand her. And then by yeah. the time she goes missing, I'm like, I do not care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think honestly, the story picks up after she goes missing because then it becomes much more of a mystery, and you're like, ooh what if this happened and this happened Mm -hmm. but until Mm -hmm. that happens you're just uh she's annoying don't you think uh yeah um i had a rough time uh getting into this one i actually begged rita for another date so that i could (laughs) try and, and get all of the episodes in um you know i Actually, I stopped watching the first episode about halfway through. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I, I can't right now. I just can't. I can't. And um, and uh, so I, I needed another day to, to get into this. And so um, I am glad to hear that Miranda is quite different in the books because... Uh, one of the things that I really struggled with and one of the reasons why it was hard for me to get through was because I really couldn't find myself kind of attaching to um, really any of the characters, um, especially Miranda, who seemed to be taking up <laughs> like most of the screen time. Um, she, her character really, really annoyed me. She was just, it was like she was just kind of giving... Uh, everybody the middle finger half the time i know you know it, and um, even when she nearly and, got I, raped i was just like oh yeah. well that's kind of your fault which is the worst mm-hmm. reaction you can have exactly 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 so um yeah it was it was a real struggle um 
I'm also glad to hear that the rest of the the characters are getting a getting a leg up in this and and becoming a little more um, uh, dimensional uh, than uh, we see in the book. Um, but uh, yeah, it this 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 is a tough one. But I do agree with you that the story did get better once I made it through the first episode um, and we got into the mystery aspect of things. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, but, uh, even for someone like me who has read the book, they've changed it so much that there are little moments where I was like shocked at the end of episode two when <laughs> um, one of the characters pulled out that letter about um, what was it like unnatural closeness to the weaker sex or something and then the dildo came out and I was like what yeah <laughs> yeah I was like uh what where where are we going what, with this where, yeah. what has this got to do with anything uh, <laughs> yeah. so where, where are we going with this so it's good like to have those little moments in something that you are familiar with because I think um, especially because this is six episodes, I think if they were to stick more closely to the book, uh, it would be like two episodes. <laughs> right. You really need right. to expand. But, you know, these where's characters. the fun in that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think they took the extra time in the first episode. Like it really takes them ages to get to the bit where they go missing. Yeah. They really yeah. established all the characters before. Not that you really cared when they were missing, but you know. Yeah. You need to set up the scene and put all the characters in place and be like, okay, but who fucked with these girls? And it could be any number of people. Exactly. So what's your theory about what happened to the girls? I kind uh, okay. <laughs> this is hard to say without spoiling it. I know how the novel ends. I also know there was an alternative ending. I also know that. Um, but I have, again, like because this is so different, Mm -hmm. I honestly have no idea what way they're going with the show. Mm -hmm. Um, let's say it's not anything normal. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be something, yeah, like typical. Like they were abducted or they fell down a hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be something mystical, exactly, and supernatural. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. Initially, I was thinking that, you know, they had all wound up doing something like falling down into one of these, you know, really super deep crevices that, you know, they weren't going to be able to be found in. Um, but then they found and, her. Uh, they found. Yeah. And then, they, and then they, they find Irma. And I was like, all right, what? <laughs> After a week? Yeah. And really, she hasn't had any you know, real appreciable harm come to her. You know, I mean, after after a week of being trapped in those rocks, you know, without any food, without any water, more specifically. I, she should have, um, like... She should have died. Yeah. That's what the doctor says, you, you know, know, when he founds her. She's like, she should yeah. be dead. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I really have no idea um, what happened to them um you know i i there was a part of me that was thinking you know oh well you know if they haul off and say that they were abducted by you know the aboriginal um folks i was gonna throw <laughs> something at the television i, I um, mean there <laughs> haven't really been 
any aboriginal characters except like a slight you get like a slight scene of tom um one of the people that works at the school in the in the book he's irish so i know that there was one of the actors yeah who and i i'm not sure which one he is uh that when they were doing the search mm-hmm. he uh stopped and said i'm not just like okay i'm done i'm not going i'm not going <laughs> any further um and so and there i did hear a reference to the blacks at one point yeah so Soup's uncomfortable uh-huh. yeah yeah i really really kind of hated that hated <laughs> it i mean if anybody gives uh the whole slavery thing around for its money it is australia's treatment of the aboriginal community it's uh pretty horrific uh still doing it as well australia judging you slightly uh <laughs> yeah oh yeah not as much as they used to but uh it still happens unfortunately well hell the same thing it still happens here with uh, uh the native americans here in the states and <laughs> of course the black folks you know but and the brown folks and the... the Anybody yeah, who's not white, really. Right. Pretty much. Living in America. <laughs> I can't quite get to my James Brown level of excitement right now. <laughs> in just trying to sing that because, you know, early. But um, anyhow, um, favorite characters? I... I quite, I personally, because I am a Natalie Dormer stan, love Mrs. Well, yeah. Appleyard. Um, every time she's yelling at one of the girls, I'm like, yes, you deserve that bitch. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, loved, I loved when, um, was it uh, Edith who wound up starting her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and like was screaming her head off and, and was like, okay, what's going on? And it was <laughs> her... Natalie Dormer's character's response was classic. I love her so much. <laughs> oh my god, she just like rolled her eyes like, oh my god. I was like... No, you're not gonna die. When, when um, they were all going to, not the picnic, what was it? Like some kind of garden party at that rich person's mm-hmm. house. Who knows? Um, and um, it came down in her like sheer dress and Natalie Dormer's mm-hmm. face when she's like looking at her like mm, I've seen thousands of girls like you you are gonna be so much trouble but I'm gonna have to put up with it because you're bloody rich and she just like keeps shoving the shawl on her like don't mess this up for me <laughs> yeah yeah I really want to know more about her backstory if yeah if I'm curious about anything I'm curious about who she is because that accent she's not who we think she is and that's this is also a complete and a complete new backstory as well so i'm like what the hell <laughs> when i first heard her talking <laughs> i was like that's not mrs appleyard <laughs> she's got a cockney accent <laughs> and then oh my god that flashback um of what she's like hiding under the bed and then i think her ex-husband shoots yeah. that guy down and you just see this huge fat man fall on the yeah. ground and you're like okay 
What? Yeah. What? And now you're prancing around pretending to be respectable. I just, you love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Favorite moments or scenes? I um, I really love any scene between Michael and Arthur. I ship it. Um, because <laughs> this was a thing. This this was actually like. In the books, but not in the books, in the sense that they were abnormally close for two two men. And um, <laughs> in any scene where Michael was talking to his soon-to-be-betrothed Irma, he was just talking about Arthur. And Irma was getting really, really annoyed <laughs> with Arthur. She's just like, I haven't even met him, but I bloody hate him. Uh, uh, but, like, then it's like one of those under the surface things that I'm really glad they made explicit. Like, well, it's not that explicit yet. Who knows if they're going to make out, but I think they should. Uh, (laughs) The scene where he's just like checking him out because he's naked. I was like, yes, thank God. Finally. (laughs) It's on the surface. (laughs) He's very, very gay. Yes. Um, Great. It's like, we know, you know, I we know, all know, we know. We all know, and we're just going to acknowledge it now because it's not the 60s and people can do that now. Uh, yeah. Right. Worst secret ever. <laughs> oh, they're really... And also I just love, like, really posh, rich Englishmen and this really poor... Um, what I don't, I don't actually know what his position is. He's some kind of horseman. He seems to just spend his time following Michael around on horseback. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, is, is, does he work in the stable? Potentially. I couldn't say. Yeah. Not sure. Not sure. Um, I think that um, uh, Natalie Dormer and Don Hanny's character, Don, and he plays uh, Dr. McKenzie, have... Mad chemistry. Oh yeah. Mad. Oh yeah. Like scorching up this scene. But you know, Natalie Dormer is able to. She would be able to have mad chemistry with a fish. I believe it. There was that scene where the guy was showing her around the house, and I was like, "Uh huh." Is she flirting with him? <laughs> or is that just her face? <laughs> oh god. And oh my lord, the costumes. Oh. The costumes, you know, if I have to say, you know, the the show has been difficult for me to get into, but holy crap, the costuming is beautiful. I think, like, the set, the locations. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Dormer's tiny little sunglasses. Oh my god, the little green sunglasses. They're amazing. Yes. Uh, and you can um, tell so much but. From all of the schoolgirls by how like all their different little 1900s haircuts and, all, and mm-hmm. the way they choose to style their little white dresses um mm-hmm. and yeah though i thought like yeah. you know the in the third episode the outfit Irma wore um when she went back to the school as I was watching that scene, I was suddenly struck that she's sort of dressing in like a very similar way to um, Mrs. Appleyard, but like in slightly yes. instead of being in purples and like mauves, she was in like a pink version of it. And I was like, "That's very, very clever." Um, mm-hmm. The costume designers mm-hmm. were clearly like 
picking up on what's in the the script because there was that earlier scene where Miranda was like, sometimes you remind me of Mrs. Appleyard. <laughs> they look really similar as well. I see what they do. Yes, they do. But uh, yeah, loved loved the cinematography, the costumes. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why you get into the period dramas is because of, you know, the setting and the costumes and everything. Um, let's see. Anything you didn't enjoy? I mean, you should you should <laughs> take it away. <laughs> I've already said my piece about this. It's like I just. I'm not finding these people enjoyable. <laughs> um, I thought some of the the there's that weird dreamlike quality in the first scene on the rock where they're all like following each other and then seeing each other and then like I don't know, like some of that got really repetitive. It felt like there was like mm-hmm. 45 minutes of just the girls watching themselves in the distance, and it was like, ugh. yeah. Like, I get it. Yeah. There's something mystical going on. And all the girls are going to sleep. <laughs> and the, st- the clocks are stopped. And, like, <laughs> stuff like that was way more subtle in the book. And then really, really uh-huh. heavy-handed on the show. I was just like, ah. Yeah. It's like, I think we're getting the point. We're getting the point that there's something weird about this place. Yeah. So, yeah. I really wanted to, to, to pick up. I think you will find that it very much will. Um, mild spoilers, but people be dying soon. Ooh. Well, alrighty then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here for it. <laughs> That's what we love to see. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not a ghoul, people. Really, I'm not. <laughs> no, but you go into, the, like, uh, Picnic and hang- Hanging Rock, you expect some, like, gothic mystery... Mm-hmm. You know, some drama. So far, it's mostly just been people, like, going, where are the girls? And other people going, I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, the setup. We we needed three episodes for the setup. Now, let's, let's get on with it. I want to see some lives destroyed, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm I'm gonna stick it out and I'm gonna get into the next three episodes sooner rather than later. I just wanna know what the hell happened to Natalie Dormer's character. Yeah. Like what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me a long mm-hmm. episode flashback or a prequel. I'd be up for a prequel. <laughs> her running around with her cockney accent like she's in um <laughs> oh, like Sweeney Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It was very Sweeney Todd. <laughs> she was basically doing a Helena Bonham Carter impression by the end, right? <laughs> yes, Mr. Todd. Yes, Mr. Todd. <laughs> I've, I've ruined it. Uh, okay, so that is all from us on this week's mini-sode. We'll be back next week where we'll be discussing the last three episodes of Picnic Hanging Rock, much to Michelle's chagrin and if you have any other suggestions about what we should be watching next or just want to chat then please get in contact you can message us on our blog email us at podocfancast at gmail.com or find us on your social medias at podocfancast and as ever do us a favor and rate and review us on apple podcasts thank you for listening stay safe stay at home goodbye bye
fight had come in On a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under? Sandwich. And he said, I come from 